Today on Life Leadership and the Pursuit of Greatness, Dwayne Mathis and I sit down with head football coach Doug Winkowich of West Delaware High School, and we break down his definition of leadership and what his mantra of expect victory really means. Uh, There's some key pieces in there that really don't relate to actually winning games, but how to win in life. He's got some extremely strong influencers in his life that has shaped his philosophy and his advice for young coaches uh, and an ability to look back and evaluate the work that he's done is second to none. If you want to be a better leader, get your notepad out and listen to what Coach Wink has to say because you're going to be much better if you did. We can't wait to get started. Here we go. All right, welcome to another episode of Life, Leadership, and the Pursuit of Greatness. I'm your host, Tim Lovell, along with co-host Dwayne Mathis. We are privileged to be spending time with West Delaware head coach uh, Winkowich. We're going to let him talk about himself here in just a little bit. Uh, but Coach Mathis, how are you today, man? Couldn't be any better. Outstanding. Uh, so I'm looking forward to listening to Coach Wink and uh, been a a uh, big fan from him for you know our battles when I was at Independence. So uh, you know, just obviously a program I've looked up to. So looking forward to hearing what he has to say today. Yeah, for sure. You know, when I got my job at Marion, um, Coach Winkwich's program was one that I I mentioned we wanted to model and be like, um, just perennial powerhouse and done the right way. And and so that that segues perfectly into our guest, Coach Wink. Thanks so much for being with us. How are you today? I'm doing great. I really appreciate you guys uh, having me on here today. Yeah, you've um, you've got a great story, Coach. And, you know, the thing that's so beautiful about your story is you've done so much um, at, at a school and um, that has quite a history as well. But you've maintained and, and gone bigger places. And so can you give us just and the listeners out there your background, how you got to West Delaware and um, you know, your story to that on that path? Absolutely. Uh, you know, just real brief, I grew up in Allison, Iowa, so uh, just about a half hour west of uh, Waverly, and I ended up at uh, Westmar uh, College in Lamar's back in the day and um, uh, was fortunate to, to play under some uh, really good coaches there and and, and, uh, and uh, had an opportunity to go over to Europe for a year, which uh, was terrific. I played for the Nottingham Hoods in Nottingham, England for one season. And then I, uh, when I came back, I worked with uh, Denny Muller uh, at uh, – uh, Lamar's Galen and, uh, just, uh, absolutely thrilled uh, that he brought me on as a young coach. And, uh, he just did such a tremendous job uh, of, of how he led his, his, led his coaches coach and, and, uh, how he worked with kids. And, uh, so Denny was definitely, uh, one of my first major influences. And, um, from Lamar's Galen, I, uh, had, had one, one year left of college and, uh, finished up that fifth year. And then I, uh, got my first teaching job at Hubbard Ratcliffe, uh, where I was kind of a, uh, I guess you could say the offensive coordinator there for one year. Um, and then uh, very fortunate there to move to, uh, after that first year, to move to uh, Garner Hayfield. And I was up there for nine years. Um, I replaced Daryl Schumacher. Uh, now Shoe's back uh, in Garner, but uh, replaced him at that time when he went to Webster City. So uh, spent nine years there and, uh, so, you know, saw an opportunity when the West Elwood job came open to, to jump into a program that had had some some success and uh, had some uh, long long tradition there, and I really wanted to be uh, the guy that kept that going. And uh, when Sam Anderson went to Urbandale, um, 
I took over at West Delaware, uh, would have been 16 years ago now. That's really great, Coach. Uh, when you, you know, I've noticed, um, I think you just put out something, uh, tweeted something, I believe, for your, your uh, team store that's going to be opening up pretty soon. And I know you always use a hashtag. Uh, you know, I think it kind of falls into our, our next question, but, uh, you know, what's your definition of leadership and what's that look like in your program? You know, you know I think there's so many different ways to look at leadership. I, I think, uh, uh, you know, we do have that motto, expect victory. And, and you know, we, we talk about that all the time. It's a lot bigger than just the EV that we post all the time. It's really about an expectation that these guys are, uh, going to do the things the right way. Um, you know, we're, we're, uh, uh, we're not going to cut corners. Uh, um, I believe that these guys, uh, the leadership needs to start uh, um, by them being a great role model to these young young kids that are looking up to them. And, um, you know, I, I think honestly, I think one of the biggest things that these kids um, probably get a sense from me is I don't have to say a whole lot. They just can they can sense that expectation. And uh, I'm not a real vocal coach. I don't talk much. Uh, but, but when I, uh, expect something to get done, I, I think everybody just kind of understands what that is and, and they, they, they try to follow that. And, um, you know, I, I know before we started, you talked about just, uh, you know, empowering coaches and I think you got to empower the kids too. I mean, um, one of the things that I really try to do is give them ownership of this team. I mean, on a Friday night, um, I will, I will, uh, say about, uh, five cents prior to a Friday night game. And up till that point, I don't say much. They, they get themselves ready to go. I give them a lot of ownership and how they prepare. Um, and, uh, and I let those leaders step up in, in those situations. And I think you, you got to let those guys do that and give them an opportunity to lead. Yeah. I, I, I love to expect victory because there's so many pieces to it. Um, not just in football, but in life, and, and really expecting victory, you got to have a you got to have a, a prepared path in front of you to to get to that expectation. So, you talk a little bit about that that path that gets you to the mindset of expect victory, if you don't mind, Coach. But and I think it honestly, I mean, it's way bigger than winning, you know, football games, as you guys are aware. But I do think that's where it starts. I think there's you have to have an expectation that uh, number one, you're willing to put in the work. Uh, and number two, um, you, you know, you're willing to battle with the guy beside you and uh, and do all the little things it takes to get to that point to be successful. So, you know, we talk all the time about expect victory, but we know that we're not just talking about winning football games. We're talking about every little part of our life and uh, whether it's in the classroom or uh, uh, at your church, uh, you know, or, or a community outing or whatever it is, um, we, we expect these guys to uh, uh you know, treat each other with respect. Um, we expect them to uh, take care of business on and off the field. And uh, so there's just so many little pieces to it that, uh, and I think, and it took some time for the, for these guys to figure that out. I think uh, a good example is uh, Matt Finn, a good friend of mine that uh, coached me for a few years. Uh, uh, matter of fact, he just took the role story job. But um, when, when he, when he first got there, we were a year or two into him. He see, he had, we had kind of had a closed door session in my office. He says, you know, I didn't really get it at first. I didn't understand what was the big deal with this expect victory thing. You know, he just, and he was just being honest. He said, I didn't get it. And uh, he said, you know what? 
now I completely understand. There's just an expectation. Uh, we, we go into every single game expecting to win. We've never not done that as a staff. Um, I, I'm convinced my players have done the same thing. When we walk on the field, we expect to win that game. And uh, so it does part, start with, with that. But then it's all the little pieces it takes to get to that point and all the preparation you got to be willing to do. So I think there's a, it kind of it's a kind of a catch-all, but I, I like it. I think the kids are bought into it. I think the community. I mean, you can't drive down the street and not see an ED somewhere in that community every single day. Coach, when you talk about you know you talk about empowering your kids, but what are different ways that uh, you've empowered your staff? I mean, do you? Um, it sounds like you expect or will respect them to do their job um and the fact of respect them as a professional and um you know so how do you delegate that those duties to your staff you know and i think for the young coach out there i, I truly believe that this is probably the one the place that, that it took me a long time to learn how to do this uh i spent nine years at garner and did a terrible job of it and uh i, I know at one point uh one of my assistant coaches up there and i uh uh, had a little chat about that because I, you know, I, I was kind of at that point in my life where I had kids and, and uh, I needed some help and I didn't feel like I was getting that. And I called a couple of guys out and, and it was kind of that after the fact, well, now you, now you, now you want our help. You know what I mean? And it's like, it really opened my eyes up going, Ooh, um, I got to do a better job of that. So one of the things that I really told myself when I got to West Delaware was to make sure you let your coaches coach. And, uh, and, and quite honestly, I think sometimes it's harder to coach your coach than it is your kids because you need to you need to make sure when you walk away from that funny period that they're telling them exactly what they need to do what those kids need to hear and how they how you want it coached um i've been blessed with a great staff at west delaware um you know there's been very little turnover i can walk away from a funny period and know that they're saying and doing exactly what we need to get done and and I've also uh, got enough guys where I can kind of float around and make sure that I'm hearing those conversations. And I think that's a plus. You know, I'm, I've kind of been the old line guy for years, but uh, I've been able to pass that on a little bit so I can walk around and make sure that the conversations and the, and the coaching and the, and the little things that I want to make sure everybody catches are being told. And, um, but you got to let them do it. I mean, I, I, have, uh, I have very little say in, uh, in what we do defensively. I mean, I, I, I of course, oversee that. But um, Coach and I have about a five-minute conversation on Sunday afternoon, and I let him do his thing. And I, and I think he, he he works really, really hard because of that. He knows he's taking a lot of ownership in that. Uh, my lower-level coaches, um, uh, we, we don't see our freshmen much uh, at all. Uh, once we get rolling and get done with our camps, they're doing their own thing in a whole different field. And uh, I let those guys coach, and they've done a tremendous job doing that. The sophomores are kind of bouncing between them and us. Um, but a lot of conversations with them, but, but again, they're, they're, they're doing their thing and they're coaching their kids. And, um, you know, I, I think, uh, I think by doing that, I, you know, you come into our weight room session and you're going to see four or five of my coaches around there. And, uh, I love that. And I don't have to ask them to do it. It's just, you know, I don't care if you stop in once or twice a week, but they're, they're usually stopping in and checking in and checking on their kids. Uh, uh so, um, I think that's one of the things that I had to, to learn to do better. I mean, I, I wanted control. Um, and uh, I think once I let that go, um, I got a lot more out of my staff. Do you think that was when you were at, you know, the smaller schools that you were at that uh, you didn't necessarily, you know, think that uh, people were spending as much time as like your, your staff doing what you were doing. And so that's why you were, you know, slow to give up that control or, 
or you know, was it just a, a young coach that was just wanting to try to do it all? I, I, I would, coach, I think that's a good. I mean, that's a good uh, uh, question because I think you do have a little bit more of that. You know, my uh, uh, two of my key coaches uh, at Garner were both head basketball coaches, and uh, you know, they 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 had a passion for basketball. You know. Um, I've been pretty blessed at West Delaware that the, pretty much my guys are football guys, you know, and uh, I've been pretty fortunate for that. But um, so there is a little bit of that. And I know the first time my first year uh, uh, in Manchester, uh, we were getting ready to leave for a game and and uh, they pulled up a van for me and said, well, you, you don't ride the bus. And I'm like, what? You don't? I don't what? <laughs> and we got to the game that first game and they're all taping ankles and like, hey, you don't tape ankles. And I'm going, whoa. Okay, I wasn't used to that. You know, I mean, you you used to wearing all kinds of hats and doing all kinds of things. So, um, very very much appreciate um, that they all my my staff also sees that there are times that they need to just step up and do things and and uh, and, and and it's uh, but you're right. I mean, you got to Coaches are getting pulled in every direction and from families to other jobs to teaching and all those things and 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 you just got to kind of find that balance. But uh, I think we've done a pretty good job of that. So can you walk us through how that looks like in the sense of when you say you don't really have much contact with your freshman or maybe even your junior high or anything like that? Um, do you get together with those coaches and say, this is what we're going to run, you know, essentially do like a little mini clinic for them so that, you know, they're using your terminology, all those things. Or do you, you know, some coaches and some programs don't even care and just let those guys, you know, do whatever they want. Yeah, one of the, one of the things that uh, that I think that that we do is is critical is our summer install. Um, so we'll start with a and typically we'll start with a meeting with the whole staff. Sometimes we will, sometimes we won't. If we're not making a bunch of changes, we we've, we've done the same thing for now for pretty much the 16 years I've been here. We haven't we, we maybe went under center to gun or back and forth, but nothing's really changed quite honestly. So uh, and I've got the same staff for the most part. Um, and if I don't, then then that person and I will get together, you know, exclusively and, and really try to work some things out. But we'll, we'll start with a meeting and then uh, we'll install on Sunday nights for about an hour and a half. Uh, the seven or eight Sundays that, that we get in the summer, um, we install and we don't do a whole lot of funny stuff, a little bit, but not a lot. Um, mostly just install and uh, some team stuff and make sure that uh, that we're able to run through the plays. And I kind of do it backwards. I get everything installed. And then um, when August rolls around, then we go back and fundy the heck out of them. Um, but we go to a team camp every year up at Upper Iowa, and we feel like we got to at least be able to go up there and run some of our offense uh, to do that. So we, so, we, so we do a lot of install in the summer. So basically when we leave, the offense and defense is already completely in. Uh, and what's nice is the the lower coaches, the, the lower level coaches are there listening, taking notes. Uh, that's where I do all of the talking. When we install, I do it. Or when we install the defense, uh, Coach Coates does it. And that's it. Um, when we run our uh, youth camp, uh, uh, our eighth graders actually come with the high school and our eighth graders get installed by our varsity coaches, our high school coaches. Um, we'll run a five through seven camp. Uh, exclusively, and then the eighth graders will run that eight through twelve camp. And then when we're maybe testing or doing some things that the I, that the middle school kids wouldn't do, that's when our coach they're coaching those eighth graders. So again, the eighth grade coaches are there taking notes, listening to our install, how we want things, uh, certain things we want done. So um, that, that's where we get most of our, uh, as far as coaching the coaches, that's where most of that gets done. I think that's I think that's really powerful because when you when you look at you know your vision of expect victory for your program you know that's the broad vision 
and then you're empowering your coaches to to expect victory in every little other piece that they're they're leading and they're being a part of. And I, I really love the term owning your 20 square feet. And I think uh, there's no better way uh, to get someone to grow and to buy into what they're doing when then taking ownership of what they're doing. Um, and that's one thing that we've done in our program this year is I'm really trying to empower my coaches to, um, well, I'm not trying to, I am, I'm telling them this is what we're getting. You're, you're the head coach and you're going to run it. And I'm going to take your advice on this piece uh, based on what you, what your expertise allows. And so, um, you know, looking into your expect victory um, slogan coach, uh, what are some of the non-negotiables though you have? I know that's kind of a broad term, broad question, but as you think about your program in a whole, what are the things like this is it and, and this is not? This, there's really no gray area here. You know, it's funny because I, I know when I, uh, 16 years ago, maybe uh, 16, 15, 14, 13 years ago, you were really hammering all those little details of that. And once that's established, it, it seems like now it's just kind of there, you know, and I don't have to think about it much. I'm not uh, that my first or second year at West Eller, I'm fighting kids to get in the weight room, you know, and now that's not even a thought. I mean, it's not it's not even a thought. I mean, uh, we'll have, uh, you know, 40, 50 middle school kids in the weight room every morning and and uh, we will work out 120 some kids a day, you know, three days a week. And I don't have to ask them to do it anymore. I got kids begging me right now to try to figure something out with the situation we're in and um so you know i, I think the non-negotiables though uh really boil down to just kind of that uh, i hate to kind of throw the culture thing around there but it's really that um to me culture is what your culture is built by what you by what you allow to happen right so if i'm going to allow these guys to do something um i have to be able to back up why i did that and so that's something I want my kids to understand is if I allow you to do it, uh, there's got to be a reason. And, and I think on those same line, it's kind of always my fault. So if, if something happened, I either coached it or I didn't coach it. Right. So I, 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 if we win, it's on the kids. If we lose, it's on me. I make sure that I express that. So um, but I think the non-negotiables really come down to we have a thing called Hawk Time. If I tell you to be there at four, I really meant 10 till. Right. The kids know that I don't want you to be late. Um, I don't want you to miss uh, practice for anything outside of maybe a, a makeup work or something that you had to do with the teacher. Um, you know, keep yourselves keep yourselves out of trouble. Uh, uh, and I know that's hard for these kids. There's so much uh, peer pressure and things going on. But you just got to keep trying to be a good role model and, and try to influence kids to do the right things. But um, I really want kids to 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 play hard. And I think they'll play hard if they're really vested. And uh, we want kids to really come in and really work hard and not just go through the motions. Because if you're just going through the motions, that's the same thing I'm going to get on Friday night. Right. And, uh, so I, I think it's uh, that, that expectation to work really hard. Uh, don't be late. Um, do the things that we expect you to do. Take care of business. And, uh, uh, you know, be a, be a good kid. Be a good uh, student. Um, you know, be kind to mom and dad and just all those. Little, we just want to do things the right way. Well, that's great that you said that, Coach. Uh, one of the things that Tim and I have said is values plus behavior minus what we tolerate. That equals our team cultures that we have uh, in our program. So, you know, I think that's essentially kind of what you're saying yeah, there. What, what we tolerate is we'll, we'll breed in our program, whether it's good or bad kind of deal. But, uh, you know, I'm sure there's always, you know, I'm 
as much as we'd love for it to be utopian, I'm sure there's always some people, though, that don't hop on the bus right away, you know, in regards to what you're trying to do. So how do you handle those non-responders to the things in your culture of your program? You know, and I think sometimes, I mean, uh, that's the hardest, that, that's the hardest situation sometimes. You, you know, you can take a, 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 a lot of times it's a really talented kid, too, that maybe uh, isn't just quite on board with the way you want to do things or uh, maybe he wants to add a little bit, do his own thing and I think, honestly, I think it's just that constant reinforcement. I, I think you've got to be willing to uh, uh, work with those guys that think they know a little bit more than you do. And, and uh, you just got to keep working with them and uh, uh, be honest, be upfront. Um, um, there's been times where I've had to, I've had to call in some, some kids and say, Hey, you need to, you need to talk to them about some of these things. Cause it's just not how, you know, think we can't do that. And we'd have a mess if we got everybody doing what he's doing, we've got a mess. So, um, but I, I think it's just that constant reinforcement. I really do. I don't think there's a great answer there. I think those. I think sometimes kids uh, tend to not a lot, not often, but there's some kids that want to be on their own agenda, and, and you just got to uh, keep telling them this is a, this is a team effort, and, and we're doing this together, and um, you just got to keep reminding them. Have you ever had? Sorry, sorry, coach. I was just. Have you ever had to remove? I mean, a kid off your team. I mean for not responding. I mean, what's this, what's this, what's that look like in your program? Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, honestly, I, I don't know that I've ever had to actually do it. I think sometimes the, the, by me constantly just reinforcing and, and talking through our expectations, I think there, it, there has been a point or two where a kid has come to me and just said, Hey, I can't, I can't live up to that. And he just flat out was honest. He said, I can't do it. I, and I know this is what's expected of me and uh, I can't give you that. So I'm going to step away. And I, you know, I respect that, uh, you know, as much as I want those guys to, to, to be with, I think there's so much more value to being with us and, and learning all the things that they can learn and all the, uh, the great life lessons you're going to learn playing this wonderful sport. There's just some kids that just can't, just can't do it at this time. And uh, you got to let them step away. But I think when you said that though, coach, that is in a life lesson itself that the kid actually would come and talk to you and say that some would actually just maybe try just to continue just to do what they're doing and skate by. But the fact that you've had kids come and talk to you and say, you know, Hey, I know this is your standard and I just can't hit it. Yeah. And you know, it's probably best if I, if I am not a part of the team or something like that, that's, that's pretty admirable that the kid would, would do something like that, to be honest with you. Yeah. And I, I'll tell you what, I really believe that, uh, I think the kids really know that I'm, I'm open, honest, transparent. Uh, I am who I am. I try to be, I don't try to be somebody I'm not. I think they, I think they appreciate that. You know, I'm, uh, I'm going to be honest with them. I expect them to be honest with me. Uh, you know, that, that's what, that work, that's work. Coach, you mentioned this a little bit earlier, but um, you know, looking back on your career and where you went, you, you've, you've touched on this just a little bit with regards to young coaches, but you know, it, when you have someone coming to you and going, coach, I want to be a head coach, you know, what's, what's your advice for that, that young guy? Well, I think, I think first of all, you know, it's like, it's like I tell the kids before they come in the, in the weight room, you got to leave your ego out in the hallway. Right. Mm -hmm. um, Cause as soon as you think, you know, everything, or as soon as you think you can't get beat, that's when things go wrong. And um, uh, so yeah, I would tell those young guys, I said, you really got to look at all the other things that are going on around because uh, I think a lot of people don't understand just what are, you know, what a head coach goes through. Uh, there's a lot, there's just a lot of things behind the scenes. And I think sometimes these guys see the Friday night lights and they want to, they want to do that. Um, 
but there's a lot of things going on a lot, you know, dealing with parents and the media and uh, co- uh, college, you know, prospects. And, um, you know, there's just a lot of things. And uh, I've had some young guys that have stepped away and, and then realized that, wow, that I didn't really realize that all that stuff was going on. So um, I, I think that's the biggest thing for these, for these young guys is to realize that, uh, it's a huge responsibility. I mean, you are uh, you're going to uh, shape uh, the lives of these young men one way or the other. They're either going to love it or they're going to kind of end up hating it. And uh, we want them to love it. We want them to uh, have build a relationship with the uh, with with the coach so they they feel like they've got something to come back to. And um, you know, and that's a big that's a big deal. What what were what were some of the you know I, Dwayne and I have, have heard a lot of coaches talk about how they learned by following and you've mentioned some of your influencers, coach. Um, what were some of the, the the biggest lessons you learned as as you grew up as an assistant and uh, and before you took over your program and, and and maybe even as you you know were in your head coaching career, people that you learned from um, that helped shape you. Yeah, uh, Denny Muller, obviously, uh, he, he finished his career at Southeast Polk. I worked with him at Lamar's Galen, one of, the, one of my favorite uh, things, and I, I've used it uh, for my 25 years. I have opened my parent meeting with the same thing that he opened his with, and and it was, uh, uh, you know, it is what it is. But he, he basically just said, uh, you know, I will visit with you about anything but playing time. And uh, I, I just really appreciated how Denny dealt with the parents, um, the expectation that he had uh, with his players and, and just how um, he was going to, this is the way he was going to conduct his program. And, and he was very uh, bold about that. And I thought that was a good, good lesson to learn. Um, uh, I, I, Ed Thomas was my, was absolutely my role model growing up. Even uh, when I was at Allison Bristol playing football, Ed was the uh, head coach of Parkersburg and um I've, I've known him for for many many years, and uh, he was run. He, Ed ran a lot of uh, uh, offensive lineman camps in the summer, and I was really lucky. I believe it's my third year at Garner. Uh, I just finally just called him up and I said, "Hey, you know, can I tag along? I just want to learn." And uh, that's the best thing I think. Honestly, that's probably the best thing that I did in my career was spend two summers following him around at these offensive lineman camps. Cause then I really felt like I started to understand uh, just, you know, what this was all about, how it worked X's and O's. And uh, Ed was a big, big part of that. All right. Welcome back. And here with coach, coach Winkowicz and uh, looking back on your career, coach Wink, how do you evaluate mistakes that you've made? And, you know, I know you, you mentioned earlier, you know, trying to do it all, but, you know, what would you have to say about that? I know that, uh, you know, I know that I'm not a perfect person and I know that uh, you are a firm believer in that as well. So. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, from a football standpoint, I think uh, we really take a lot of time after the season. We, we, we rest for about two weeks and then we sit down for about, honestly, probably the next two to three weeks and, and have a staff meeting every day to just kind of go back through the do's and don'ts, the things we liked, the things we didn't like, while it's still fresh, you know, we, we take that week or two to kind of breathe. But um, that has been really valuable for us. I mean, it, it's been a, a good conversation to have. It, it's been a time for us to kind of reflect on uh, uh, all the little things that uh, 
maybe we really liked or, or maybe the things we didn't. We also do that with the kids. I'll flat out one of the questions I ask them at the end of the year is one of the things, what is something you really loved this year and what is something that you would like to see done differently? And uh, so we, we actually uh, will go through that with uh, most of the kids and kind of just, you know, talk them through some of the questions that, uh, uh, that we're asking ourselves. So, and then I think, you know, and I think from there, I think it's really about personal growth after that, you know, because then we'll kind of take a breath until about uh, uh, February 1st, you know, and, and try to just step away a little bit uh, from it. Uh, uh, you know, it's never completely out of our minds, but you, you got to get away a little bit and, and have that extra time with the families and so forth. And and uh, uh, so that's kind of when I, you know, Christmas time and right through there is when I really try to evaluate uh uh, what I've done as a coach and what I've done as uh, as a parent or or as a you know all those things just trying to be a better better person in general um, and oftentimes you know football's at the forefront of that because that's that's what I do and that's what I love to do and I've been really fortunate to have a family that's been very very receptive of that but um, so I I think from from a football standpoint, the reflection comes right away. I mean, and a lot of times it's a lot of times it might be a Friday or a Saturday morning in September when you got to sit down and say, all right, we're, we got to we got to make a change here. You know, it might be a, it might be an emergency situation. And I think, uh, again, to be open and honest and listen to other people's opinions. And and I tell my coaches all the time, I said, I want to hear it. That doesn't mean I'm going to change. It doesn't mean I'm going to follow, you know, do what you're, te- you know, what you're suggesting. But I want I want to have that open dialogue with my staff because I trust those guys. And uh, I think you got to surround yourself with people that you can trust, surround yourself with people that uh, can, can make you better and, uh, and have those uh, just open and honest conversations. And I think that's, uh, probably where you're going to see your biggest changes is when you when you're willing to do that. Do you start anything after um, like a self scout with your assistant coaches where they have to go through it with film wise? Do you do you guys do delegate any of that within your program, coach? Uh, give me give me a rephrase that for me, will you? Sure. So like your game films that you have, you go through and look at and basically scout your team as if you were an opponent and how that, and break that down. Do you guys do anything like that with your staff after the season? Absolutely. And, and, and mostly uh, myself and the defensive coordinator, uh, Corey coach does a tremendous job. He'll, he'll break, he, he breaks down every single game. Um, and a lot of times that's beneficial too, because a lot of times we're playing the same opponent the next year too. So, um, but he but he's going to find out, uh, uh, you know, top formations coming back in the next year. Um, where 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 was our uh, uh, fifteen plus plays? Where's you know all those kind of things that he does such a tremendous job. And um, I I really appreciate now that Huddle's doing a lot of that uh, scouting for us. So we, we just put in the play information and basically have your information, but. Um, yeah, I'll break down and, and print off. Uh, I'll actually do it uh, about every three weeks. I kind of do a self-scout just so I can kind of see what everybody else has seen. Um, just I can kind of prepare that if I'm running the same formation and same play uh, three weeks in a row, it might be, you know, it might be an opportunity to switch that up or run a counter off of it or something like that, you know. So, but uh, m- mainly the stuff at the season is myself and my defensive coordinator. That's what they, the two of us really go back in and dig into that and try to f- and try to be better for that next year. Yeah, I think, Coach. You know, I, I think one of the things that I really enjoy have enjoyed about this podcast um, is, is the fact that head coaches really are entrepreneurs. That you know, you're running a small business, you're running an organization, you're you're pulling pieces all over in a community. And, 
as person who's leading that organization, what are some of the, the biggest challenges uh, you face today or, or, you know, head coaches face in your opinion? Well, I, I think, I, I think the, uh, the biggest challenge is, uh, uh, you know, really f- getting the, the, the attention of these teenagers anymore. I mean, mm. there's so many other things going on and, and, uh, uh, you, you know, I know the numbers have, have dropped a little bit uh, nationally for, you know, with, with football. And and uh, I just think there's so much more to it than, than just the Friday nights and and all the lessons that these kids uh, can learn. And I, I really I really hope that uh, uh, we can keep our numbers up. I think I think, um, you know, having conversations with the state on, on how many how many games and how many are in the playoffs and all those things. I think those can all be beneficial on, on keeping kids out of football. And, and I, I hate to see us go to eight games because I think it's a lot of work to only be guaranteed eight. I get the whole date thing, but boy, I mean, our middle school kids get six. I can't believe that we shouldn't have at least nine. Um, you know, every other sport can do stuff year round. I mean, we basically have the weight room and a little bit of, uh, we don't do seven on seven, but some people do, you know, you've got a little bit of that stuff, but um, it just, we have the weight room and, and we have our season and that's about it. We got to try to make it as special as we possibly can. And I think that's one of the, one of the things that, um, I think is really important for uh, uh, people to realize is the, these kids are really visual. Uh, they want kind of the wow factor. And uh, we, I try to give them that. I mean, we're going to, we're going to put them in the best helmet. We're going to put them in the best uniform. We're going to, we're going to uh, run let them run through smoke on Friday night. We're going to crank the music up. Uh, I want it to be a lot of fun for these guys. And I think the more fun you can make it, the more uh, attraction you're going to have. And, um, if you can get kids to buy in what you're doing and have some fun along the way, you, you got a good chance to have some success. And um, you know, I think one of the, ch- the one of the ch- challenges is always, I think, um, w- when you have some success, uh, you got to remember the community is going to have a short memory. Um, you know, when you when you win, you're you, you're winning, and when you're losing, boy, you can kind of feel that too. So, uh, but that's the expectation I want. I mean, one of the reasons I went to West Delaware is because I wanted that expectation. I didn't want to be uh, it's okay to be five and four every year. I want to, you know, we, we, we want to win. And, and with that is uh, a high expectation, and, but it's also, uh, it's also a challenge too. So how, how do you keep, you, you said you got new uniform and you keep, I, I noticed cause we, we play you guys and it's always one of my favorite games to be honest with you, but you guys do look sharp, you, you know, the black and, and the white helmets and the contrast. And um, it, it is an exciting Friday night. I mean, to, to me, there's no better environment. Um, you know, the small town high school football, and you guys offer that 100%. And so, and you've had a quite, quite a, a successful run here. But how, how did you keep those kids motivated? You know, for years, it was, you know, middle school to high school, man, those kids are doing it. But, you know, you don't always have those middle school kids mm-hmm. to see what those high school kids are doing. How, how do you maintain that excellence? You, you know, I, that's, a, that's interesting that you asked me that because that's the exact question that I asked Ed Thomas back in the day. I said, you know, and, he, and here's, here's his response. And, and, and I didn't get it at the time because it just didn't make any sense to me. But I, I truly believe this now. And I think, I think once, you, uh, once you've kind of built that tradition, you're, you're fortunate because now what happens is uh, my varsity kids next year, they don't want to be bad. I mean, they don't, they're actually playing against the previous team's success from uh, years uh, and they're playing against the, our guys, if that makes sense. They have to be better than the 05 team. They got to be better than the 15 team. They got to be trying to be better than the 2012 team. And uh, it's that expectation. And, 
And uh, so I, I think when he told me that, he says, you know, our guys are competing against guys from the past. And now I kind of understand that. It's a, and I think uh, uh, they, they've got to create their own year, their own team. Uh, it's their new season. Um, but I think once you kind of have that tradition built in, you, and we talk a lot about that. I mean, I think one of my favorite games ever was the 2005 game against Marion at our place. Mm. Um, you know, we had the huge drive at the end of the, uh, at the end of the uh, game to go to get the go ahead uh, uh, kick and win and and then they ended up going 12 and one that year and it could have went the other way around. I mean I think had we lost that game maybe you know because we were both undefeated Marion might have done that so uh, but I was really fortunate that when I came in here in my second year I had a group of seniors that just said we want this and we want to get this back on track. There'd been a little bit of a, a, a a, a spell in there where maybe there wasn't quite the success that West Delaware expected. And that group of seniors just said, let's roll. And uh, we went 12 and one and uh, lost to Harlan in the championship. And, and I've been, I was really fortunate that that happened. Coach, looking back, you know, over your career, and I know you've been 16 years at in Manchester at West Delaware. Um, but uh, how has the game evolved for coaches? <sighs> I, I tell you, the, to me, the biggest difference is is huddle, and uh, the amount of time that that has saved me is crazy. I mean, the VHS driving, uh, you know, I remember uh, me, you know meeting Coach Post up in Fayette somewhere uh, to exchange a VHS film, you know, uh, or a playoff game, and I had to try to figure out how I was going to meet Kurt Blatt halfway between here and Harlan to exchange a couple of VHS tapes, uh, and then it's, it was like the DVD lasted like two years and then boom, you know, here we are now, everything's on the web. But um, to me, huddle has, has changed everything. Uh, uh, One of the things that I don't like about it uh, is I had a, I had my middle school coaches and lower level coaches that did such a tremendous job of, uh, of scouting back in the day. And uh, if I, if I got two film from you, I probably had three or four because I had my coaches out on the road working. And what Huddle has done a little bit is it's taken away some of our advantage because now it's just open to everybody, you know. Uh, so what I was maybe what our staff was maybe willing to do and somebody else's was not uh, is kind of the, the playing field been even a little bit by them. But the amount of time that it has saved us and the travel it saved us and and especially and the, uh, uh, the time with the, the college coaches. I remember cutting up VHS tapes for kids and trying to get them to, to uh, coaches and uh so from that from that vantage point, uh, it has been huddle. And then the other thing that I can't believe I ever coached that was, was an end zone camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we, we we I don't even watch uh, the sideline view. I mean, it's all end zone view. And uh, and I don't know how we how we ever really coached good before that. I mean, it, it, the eye in the sky don't lie. I mean, it's right on those guys, and you see every foot, every step they're taking. And uh, to me, that what that's been a, a a big deal for us is that end zone camera. Yeah. I, I, uh, as a young coach, uh, remember, uh, I believe my third year coaching, I was a, a freshman coach at Iowa city West and uh, a freshman part of your duties were to go out on Friday nights to, you know, on the road. And as we had, you know, charts that we'd have to fill out one person with tape, two guys with chat or, or chart formations and plays and all that kind of stuff. And really though, to be honest with you, coach, I mean, that was, that was great training ground yeah, for, for a young for a young coach to, to start learning and recognizing things. And I think you're right that uh, 
you know, Huddle has kind of taken that away from from staffs and people who are willing to do that. And, you know, we've had to find other ways to to make up for that. But interested to your thoughts. I mean, you mentioned uh, cutting up film for, uh, you know, potential college prospects that you have in your program. Has social media taking taken your role out of it? I mean, do, have you noticed college coaches just maybe like skipping over you and just, you know, uh, as, as the kids would say, slide into their DMs and, and hit them up that way kind of deal? And and all of a sudden you hear from a kid, oh, well, such and such school is looking at me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I really appreciate the college coach that still calls and, and uh, is going to make sure that he checks in with me prior to either recruiting the young man or at least – uh, get having a serious conversation about scholarships or commit any kind of commitment. And, and, uh, I would say that right now where I'm about 50, 50 with those guys. Um, I know it's probably easier to just bypass me and keep moving, but I really appreciate that. And I tell them that I really appreciate the guys will come, uh, come to at least come through my phone, you know, if not stop and, and visit, but at least call me, um, had a conversation today with a coach and, uh, I uh, told him the same thing. I really appreciate that he had that he had called and and uh, asked you know a lot of the character questions. Quite honestly, I mean they can see what the kid can do in the field. It's more you know what's the family like, what's the kid like, the grades, and just having that conversation. I re- I appreciate that. But um, and that's the other thing too. You know, not just social media, but you know you were asking about some of the biggest changes. Uh, I, I, I got to go too with like the online clinics and YouTube and and having the resources. Uh, you know, just at at the at your fingertips. Uh, I know when I started, man, I, I had to call, uh, I was, I'd call Denny Muller up and talk to him, uh, uh, for two hours on passing game. Then I call Cal Goodchild up and we talked for, uh, 90 minutes on the buck sweep, you know, literally having an hour and a half conversation on one play as I'm drawing and we're doing this through a phone conversation and, uh, you know, calling, uh, Ed Thomas up and say, hey, man, can you run through trap with me a couple more times? I think I got it, but I, I just need to hear it again. And, and, that's how we did it. You know, we, we, you just had to, you had to go, you had to go to the guys that were having success and, and really pick the brains. And now, I mean, you could, you got anything you want uh, right there on the computer. And uh, I think to me, that's, uh, that's been probably the other uh, biggest change. And I, you know, I would say it's a blessing and a curse, quite honestly, you know, particularly for, for younger coaches, honestly, because, Everything is new and shiny, like that new fishing lure that catches all those fishermen but doesn't catch any fish. You know, um, I think the one thing that I've noticed from you, uh, coaches, and you and you even said it, is you run what you run, and, and maybe with the tweak here and there. And I think that's maybe one of the biggest signs of maturity you see uh, as coaches grow is the ability to simplify and execute. I, I agree 100%. I just had a conversation with a young coach the other day. You know, you you, you watch you, you watch one thing and you want to do it, and you watch the next thing and you want to do it, and then finally you just got to say, what am I really? What do I want to get really good at and settle in and and uh, and then coach your coaches up really good on that stuff. And uh, yeah, we we don't we don't change much. I mean, we try to make small adjustments for our kids, uh, making sure that we're helping them be successful. Um, but. Uh, you know, as far as the the stuff up front and uh, the communication and the things that those guys do, uh, we've 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 tried to keep that pretty uh, um, pretty not only pretty vanilla, uh, but also just you know pretty routine. And so every year the coaches are saying and doing the same things. Have you found with the the quarantine and this pandemic that's 
you know, came in front of us here that that's kind of been the catch 22 of that is we've had so much time. So we start to, you know, digging into things and what can we do to add on to it and change. And really it's, it's kind of like what you're talking about is look, we don't need to add on to anything. We just need to be really good at what we do. Yeah, exactly. Now I actually, uh, I got, I got through some of those uh, online clinics and I said, you know what, I'm going to go back and watch like my 2012 and 15 seasons. Cause that's, that's who I want to be. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I don't want to be this other guy. I, and uh, so, yeah, we kind of went back and, and decided let's, let's get back and, 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 and look at, at what we've been really, really good at. And then how can we adjust that slightly for our personnel and, uh, and just keep moving forward with what we do. What have you done though, coach? I mean, I'm sure that maybe you've ran across this in your, your years that you've been coaching is when you just don't have the personnel to run what you want to run. Because, you know, I was in that situation, you know, my first year coaching and, and, you know, I, you know, if I full out admit that I made a mistake here in the sense of I wasn't quick enough in adapting Mm -hmm. to the talent that, that we had and it, you know, showed in the stats. Right. I mean, you know, we went through a a perfect season, you know, just not the kind of perfect you want. I mean, so. Yeah, I I would say, I, I would say this, I mean, for me, from from what I've tried to uh, be consistent with is uh, knowing that uh, I can do I can do this. I can run uh, whatever I want to run, whether I'm under center or in the gun. And if I can't do that, then I then I'm probably not going to run that play. I got to be able to I got to be able to do it from the gun. And uh, if I can't, then I got to throw it out because I want to be in the gun. Now, the last couple of years, we've been forced a little bit to go under center just because of some personnel things. But uh, that's not who we want to be. But the difference is, is the kids up front, those five or six kids across the front, nothing changes for those guys. It doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter what's going on in the backfield or who's going in motion or who's coming in a, a, a you know, a rocket laser. State. It doesn't none of that matters as long as those front five or six guys are always doing the same thing. And I think that's been uh, if you were ask our kids, where's the most ownership and who's got the most ownership of this team? They're going to tell you the front five. Mm-hmm. Those five guys, they, they know what to do, how to do it. They make their, they make the decisions. Uh, they, they determine which way the ball is going to go and, and where it's going to go. And, and it doesn't. So when we've had to adjust, it's been more of, uh, more guys either compressed or if, if we're, if we're not real great up front, a lot of times that's when we'll get, that's when we'll spread things out more, you know, we'll get a little bit, uh, a little bit wider splits and, and uh, just widen bodies up and try to get kids in space. And um, but the, but the the key for us is, is that nothing changes with the front five guys. And I, that's been for me. That's been uh, what we've always tried to been consistent on is get those five guys locked in on what they're supposed to do and how we want them to run it, and then let them do it. I think I think you've just you said it perfectly. And as as you're talking, I'm thinking you know. Um, if you stand for, for nothing, you, you, you know, you fall for everything. And, and it sounds like you just really got a solid idea of who you are. And I think, I think that's probably one big takeaway I'm getting from you coach is that, you know, who you are, but it's taking you a little bit to get there. And, and, um, and that's the process, but that's also the joy of, of being a coach. And, and I think um, being a young coach can be overwhelming. Uh, but if you take it one day at a time, it's, it's going to come, <laughs> but it does take time and it takes work. Um, you know, with with regards to the game of football itself, you mentioned the eight games piece. I, I'm curious what what you think 
you know, Iowa is going to do with, you know, after one year we're in this deal. What, what's your, you know, prognostication, if you will? You know, Coach, I'm afraid to even guess because every time that I thought I had this thing figured out, I, I've been wrong every single time. You know, I sat in on the meeting after the clinic, and and uh, I I I don't know. I mean, I I thought that uh, I thought they had it figured out when we had 56 teams in 3A and we ran a nine game schedule and then we had sister districts uh, and we know who, who was paired up with, uh, you know, we had 32 in the playoffs and nine games and man, it was awesome. And to me, that's when we had it figured out. And uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I get, I guess I, 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 the safety thing, I guess is, is what their thing was. They won at least six games with, uh, between the playoff games or whatever. But um, to me that, uh, uh, that Wednesday, Monday, Friday whirlwind of the playoffs was the most exciting time uh, of my career. Is when you you couldn't even uh, you were afraid to go to bed because then it, it was happening so fast. Uh, but that's what I loved about it. It was it was an awesome awesome time, and I and I really wish that they would go uh, stay with their nine games, put fifty six in, so you can work with that number. Um, the 32 teams, I mean, I think that makes the most sense. I think uh, uh, every other sport, you know, every single uh, team gets an opportunity to get in. And, and you might have had a kid hurt uh, early. And uh, that's that, the biggest thing that I've seen by having uh, the four teams in the playoffs out of each district is this. I believe that week seven, eight, nine became a lot more competitive because teams are still fighting to get in. If you got a team that if you got a team by the second by the second district game they've got they're zero and two and they know that they're already out. Uh, I, I think it's really easy for those kids to to tank it. But when you when you know you can still get in top four can still get in. To me, week seven eight nine became way more competitive. I would like to see that still. But on the on the other side of that, coach, did you ever feel like I, I remember when I mean we made the playoffs when I was at Tipton, I mean, and there was only 16 teams in there at that time. I mean, it was a big deal to make that, you know, mm-hmm. to make the playoffs with 16 teams. Do you, I mean, do you ever feel with 32 that it's just watered down a little bit? I mean, or do you, I mean, and I'm not saying that it's not good for those kids and those, I, I don't, you know, the, I don't feel like it gets watered down because after one week you're right there. You know, right. I mean, you, you play, you play one con, you play one week and then you're right back to your 16. And to me, uh, what it did, though, is it, it created week seven, eight, nine to be way more competitive. Now, does it really matter? I mean, I'll be honest. Every year we've made it. Uh, you know, we went on a 10 year run here recently and we are top two every time. So I don't know that I need necessarily would say, boy, we got to have four. But what I do like about it is that when we were doing that, those games were much more competitive late in the year because we might have we might have known we had the district championship locked up. But the team we were playing, they knew they had to beat us to get in. You know what I mean? So there was just those situations, too, that um, I, I don't know. I, I think from that standpoint, I, I like the fact that uh, the games are more competitive. And then you add one game, but boom, the, the next week you're back to 16. So I liked it. But Well, Coach, I, I think one of the one of the aspects of leadership that um, is as apparent is the ability to grow. And there are a lot of different ways to do it. We talked about, you know, the clinics and everything. Um, but we're always really curious to see and hear what our guests are reading and what they recommend. Um, so where do you fall on that? What are some of the things that you've read that you would recommend or what are you reading now? Um, really, really interested to hear your response. 
You know, I, I'm 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 really into. Uh, I love uh, listening to uh, the, the uh, kite stuff, uh, uh, Urban Meyer. Um, I'm a huge Dabo Sweeney fan. Um, you know, I, I, I tell you what, I, I, I constantly try to work on my faith. Um, you know, I, I, I I'm, uh, I'm, uh, this is what I'm reading right now, man. I'm hammering through the New Testament, and uh, mm. that's who I am, and that's what that's who I want to be. And uh, um, so, you know. I think personal growth can also just come from really good, healthy conversations too. You know, uh, you know I mentioned Matt Finn earlier. I mean, Matt and I probably talk uh, sometimes twice a day, but for sure, you know, three times a week and uh, we're bouncing things off each other and having conversations. Um, the one thing that I picked up at a clinic a few years back was said, you know, um, talk football and uh, I don't care what it is, but just have those conversations. So um, I, I, I reach out to at least one coach a day. Uh, we just, and it might just be real short. How's it going? But I have a conversation with them and I always bring up something about football briefly and, uh, families first. And then we, then I'll ask them a question. Hey, did you catch this or did you see that? Or what do you think about this or that? Or can we get together sometime next week? Um, but I'm always talking about it and, uh, my office is full and that, and that's what I love about it. And maybe not right at the minute, you know, right at the moment here, but, um, people want to come in and, and we want to have kind of a good conversation and um, whether it's football or not. Uh, uh, I, I think that's where I've probably learned my most honestly is making those phone calls with the guys like Cal Goodchild and the Thomas of the world and really having those conversations, but um, constantly trying to constantly trying to be a better person. Well, coach, you're one of the first ones. Uh, you're, you're the first coach that we've had on here when we've asked them what they're reading that said uh, the New Testament. So, I mean, that's that's great. Uh, I, I love it. Um, I know that, uh, you know, I, I don't even know if you remember this. Uh, one of the first kind of conversations you and I ever had was at a Glacier Clinic in Chicago two years ago. And, and Matt Finn, he was out. He was with you guys, I think. And and I've always been appreciative of the fact that, uh, you know, I was asking you about uh, platform and our, and our lifting programs and and you were just really gracious and, and shared anything that you could with, with me uh, and what you guys are doing at, at West Delaware. And, you know, I can't thank you enough for, you know, the time that you've spent with us. I know uh, Tim and I are better because of it. And I hope, uh, um, you know, a lot of those people that you said you read are, are people that, you know, we believe in and are big fans of and stuff like that. So, you know, I just can't thank you enough for your generosity today. Absolutely, guys. I really appreciate you having me on here. Yeah, this has been great. We uh, we certainly are better because of, like uh, Dwayne said, the time you spent with us, Coach. Um, if you'd like to have anybody reach out to you, Coach, how could someone get in contact with you, ask you questions? Could they follow you on Twitter, um, email you? What's a, what's a good way for someone to contact yeah, you? Yeah, I'm on Twitter. Uh, certainly uh, email. Uh, my email address is wdheadhawk at gmail.com so they can certainly shoot me an email if they want to that's awesome well coach thanks so much for your time today um and if you like this podcast please rate review and subscribe on apple or google or spotify and we're going to keep chasing life leadership and the pursuit of greatness and everything that we do have a great day thanks again for checking out our podcast today and sticking around to the end. Dwayne Mathis and I are so grateful that you decided to stop by. Just a reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on any platform that you use to listen in. Apple, Google, Spotify, you name it, we're on it. 
If you have any questions, please be sure to send us an email at lifeleadpg at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, our listeners, about topics you want to hear regarding leadership. Also, check out our YouTube channel. We post videos every Sunday and recap the podcast that we had the previous week. Great opportunity to get a quick hit of what we're talking about. Subscribe to the YouTube channel so you don't miss an opportunity to get better as a leader. And as always, let's keep chasing life, leadership, and pursuit of greatness in everything that we do. Have a great night. Thank you.